following message is by a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. For those who don't know me, my name is A.B. Matthew. Uh, I have the pleasure, the privilege, and the honor of serving here as an elder at ICC. Um, I'm blessed to be married to my remarkable wife, Jamsi, and we have three wonderful and loving kids, Jonathan, Timothy, and Grace, who all managed to make it here today from different parts of Chicago, from Evanston, Chicago, and other places. So thank you for that. Um, For bread and butter, I work for Walgreens as a director of data and analytics. Uh, I would be remiss at this time if I didn't thank the church for the church family for the outpouring of support um, and rallying around us when my wife Jamsi lost her mother recently, and a similar support when our family went through COVID last year and um, the cards and the emails and the food that you guys dropped. So um, I just wanted to make sure that I acknowledge and appreciate um, each of you for that. I'm grateful to God for this opportunity uh, to share this message, especially because I was blessed in the preparation of this sermon. And when one prepares a sermon, um, you realize the amount of time and effort that our pastors put in, our staff put in day by day. Um, And They bring God's word that touches and blesses us in so many ways, and I want to thank them for that, being pastors and staff appreciation. So I would like to encourage you um, to be generous with your appreciation to them, not just today, but throughout the year. Okay, we're in the midst of a fascinating mini-series on the Lord's Prayer within the Sermon on the Mount series. The title for today's message is, Give Us Today, our daily bread. I have been entrusted with the simplest verse in the Lord's Prayer, with our excellent array of preachers lined up before and after me, dealing with the more complex passages. The thought then was, how badly could I mess up a passage on bread, right? I mean, I love eating. Um, Little did I know when I eagerly accepted it that it is not as simple as I thought as you shall soon see. Uh, My euphoria, as you can expect, was short-lived. Before we dive in, let's bow in a word of prayer, shall we? Dear Lord, we confess that we struggle with prayer. We're not sure what it is that we want to say to you, whether it is in private or in public, how to come to you and ask for the things we need in our lives. So we pray that through your word today, that you would open our eyes to understand a bit deeper about the kind of prayer that pleases you. We want to offer up this time to you and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. When Jamsi and I were courting, and I know she's going to be embarrassed by this, but (laughs) I scared her by telling her that I would like to have a lot of kids. 
Um, however, for the first five years after we got married, um, we had like three miscarriages and no kids. Um, each time it was heartbreaking. We cried and we prayed and our friends uh, prayed with and for us. And those days I was shuttling between the U.S. and India on consulting assignments, sometimes with Jamsi, sometimes on my own. After my last project in Columbus, Ohio in 1996, we went back to India for some tests and consultations. We were beginning to wonder if God was hearing our prayers or if it was God's will or not. I still remember the helplessness and the inadequacy I felt during that journey. Do you feel like that sometimes? I didn't put up any pictures because in all the pictures that I saw of Jamsi and myself, we are smiling. Um, and I thought, you know, there's a lot of us sitting here who may be smiling, but inside we have those hurts and those pains, those needs that we have been placing before the Lord, and we don't get an answer. There are some things that seem unattainable, that are out of our control, like maybe a baby or a healing or salvation for our loved ones. Our scripture reading comes from the middle of the Lord's Prayer, and as we have been doing each week, I want to invite you to read with me the Lord's Prayer in its entirety. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today's passage is Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer is found in Luke 11.3. It reads, Give us each day our daily bread, substituting today with each day. We were blessed to listen to some exceptional teaching on the Lord's Prayer the last two weeks when we covered the first half of the prayer. Today we start with the second half, which is made up of three petitions. Give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins, and lead us not into temptation. My plan for this morning is to take a brief moment to go over some general aspects of the Lord's Prayer, um, as well as some unique perspectives on the three petitions. Majority of our time together, we'll be dwelling on just that one verse, give us today our daily bread. You see, there is one word that characterizes the first half of the prayer. Your, right? Your name, your kingdom, your will. And there is another word that characterizes the second half of the prayer. Us. Give us. Forgive us. Lead us. Ray Pritchard, in his book, And When You Pray, The Deeper Meaning of the Lord's Prayer, writes, By arranging things this way, Jesus is teaching us that we are to begin with God's concerns. When we have done that, we are to pray for our own concerns, our bread, our forgiveness, and our protection in the moment of temptation. We start in heaven and then come down to earth, which is the pattern of all divine 
revelation. In other words, before we put out our hands to ask for ourselves, we should lift up our hands in adoration, in praise, in looking at God's concerns and thinking about that. And I was also blessed by um, additional insights that Pritchard had to offer on the Lord's Prayer from different dimensions. And so I tried to organize them in a tabular form. The second set of petitions in the Lord's Prayer asks for our provision, right? Bread. Our pardon, that is forgiveness. And our protection, which is lead us not into temptation. Then he breaks up the second set of petitions into our needs for the past, which is forgives our sins from the past, right? Our present, which is give us today our daily bread. And our future, lead us not into temptation. Then he shows how each petition takes care of each part of our, ourselves, right? Um, bread is for our body. Forgive us our sins, that's for our soul. And lead us not into temptation, that's spiritual warfare, that's the spirit. Additionally, John Stott brings another dimension to the second half of the Lord's Prayer. He writes that um, we see in the three petitions an allusion to the Trinity. It's not obvious, but it's an allusion or reference to the Trinity where it says, through the Father's creation and providence that we receive our daily bread, through the Son's atoning death that we may be forgiven, and through the Spirit's indwelling power that we are rescued from the evil one. So why do we pray for daily bread? What principle does it teach us? Does it apply to us in this day and age? To help answer these questions and to unlock the message, we need to look at three key words in today's passage a little closer. The first word we will analyze in this passage is bread. And like Pastor Lester did, if anyone can identify the type of bread in the picture, you'll win a prize. Okay, but why bread specifically? And why bread? Why not food? Why not all our needs? So let's look at bread uh, linguistically and culturally and in the Bible, okay? So bread is used in movies. <laughs> Uh, my favorite movie franchise, Lord of the Rings. Any LOTR fans here? Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, the only way for the scheming golem to drive a wedge between the inseparable Frodo and Sam was to get rid of their daily ration of bread. Right? Remember the bread fight? Uh, huge turning point in the movie. In literature... Victor Hugo had already started writing his masterpiece, Les Miserables, centered around Fontaine, when he witnessed a man being arrested by the police for stealing a loaf of bread. That incident affected him so profoundly that he folded into the plot of that novel, the story of Jean Valjean, an out-of-work peasant who steals a loaf of bread in order to feed his family and now becomes the main character of the story. Bread does play an important role uh, in films and books. Some common terms using bread, right? Bread is sometimes used as a slang for money. Um, breaking bread is an informal way of sharing meals with others. Breadwinner is a wage earner, right? 
And in the Old Testament, God gave his people bread in the wilderness. Exodus 16:31, the people of Israel called the bread manna. And when Satan tempted Jesus, who was fasting and hungry in the wilderness, what did he ask Jesus to do? In Luke 4, 3, he taunts Jesus. If you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. We know Jesus didn't fall for that, right? And how do theologians and scholars interpret bread in this specific passage? Martin Luther interprets it this way. What does daily bread mean? Everything that nourishes our body and meets its needs, such as food, drink, clothing, house, good government, good weather, peace, health, and other things like these. The ellipses mean a long list, right? Martin Luther is known for his long list. Um, According to Michael Wilkins, in the NIV application commentary, the reference to bread is an example of a synecdoche, which is a part-whole figure of speech for food. But not just food. He says that it refers to all of a believer's needs, both physical and spiritual. So, long story short, bread has been a powerful symbol of God's provision for our needs, and we are to see bread as a representation of all our needs in this in this verse. The second word that we look at is daily. Why daily? Why not weekly or monthly, right? I mean, we can say, hey, God, give me my daily bread and say, oh, no, I have enough bread for tomorrow and day after, so see you two days later, right? I mean, we could do that, right? Before we get to that, we have to deal with a problematic word. I thought of kind of rubbing it or brushing it under the rug, you know, but I thought let's talk, talk about it. Matthew and Luke use the same Greek word for daily. If that looks like Greek to you, it's because it is Greek. It's translated from the Greek adjective epiosios, an esoteric word. This mysterious word has never been used anywhere in the Bible, except here in Matthew and in Luke. And for that matter, anywhere else in all of Greek literature, Other New Testament passages use a different word for daily. This word, epiusius, puzzled church fathers. In fact, third century scholar Origen said that perhaps the gospel writers may have invented this word. The discovery of a shopping list scribbled on an ancient papyrus, excited modern scholars, and they thought they could solve the puzzle, but it did not contain the exact same word. Anyway, um, without getting into all the technical research and uh, the discussions, we may have to recognize that this word, like several others, is a multivalent and can have several layers of simultaneous meanings. Scott McKnight concludes, it is wisest to ask what Jesus would have meant what Matthew's own horizon would have comprehended, and then to give some freedom to reading this text in the light of the story of God. What appears to be in view is prayer for daily provision. So we are back to daily bread or daily provisions, right? The third interesting word or words is the use of the plural us and our. Give us our daily bread, not me or my, as in give me my daily bread. In a day and culture which stresses the needs of the individual or the needs of the group as a whole, 
and success is often measured in dollars, we have a tendency to accumulate wealth and spend only on ourselves and not on each other, right? In Christian circles too, we interpret prosperity as a sign of blessing and favor. No wonder some find prosperity theology attractive. Jesus, however, is teaching us to think of the group. More on that later. Having studied this, these words, I think the message that Jesus is trying to teach us is quite clear. By including the petition, give us today our daily bread in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching us that complete dependence on an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving God to provide our needs all the time. Why do we need to depend on God for all our daily needs? What challenges do we face in living a life of dependence? And what would it look like if we can get to a place of dependence? We look at three reasons for daily dependence. Four roadblocks to living such a life and five results or characteristics of cultivating a, a discipline of daily dependence. So let's start with the reasons, right? Why do we depend on God for our daily provisions? Here are three reasons, and if you correctly surmised that it all has to do with God, you're right. First of all, we depend on him because he created us, and he loves us, and he is our father, right? He wants to give us the best, which includes providing for our salvation, which only he can do. Our dependence is met by his providence. We know the story of God providing a sacrificial lamb to Abraham in lieu of, his, of Isaac, right? In Genesis 22:14, Abraham called this place, the Lord will provide. The translation is Jehovah Jireh, right? So that's the place where God provided a lamb. And R.C. Sproul in his book, The Prayer of the Lord, writes referring to the story of Abraham and Isaac. This is the first occasion in the Bible where the idea of divine providence is mentioned. Providence is about God's provision. An integral part of that provision is salvation. Jesus, the lamb without blemish, crucified for us. Jenny, in her opening request, mentioned about the providence, the providential um, meeting between the two families, right? The Notos and the Parks, and how it was God's providence. And that is definitely what God does for us, right? He provides in ways that we do not even understand. I mentioned about my being worried back in 1996 because of not having children. Along with many who sincerely prayed for us, came a missionary um, one day to visit us when he was on his furlough. We had never met him before, but we had heard of the amazing work he was doing in a difficult region, and we wanted to meet with him and hear from him firsthand what the Lord was doing. Towards the end of this, his visit, he asked us if he could pray for any specific need. Having a child was foremost in our minds, and uh, that's what we asked the stranger to pray for. 
over the next three and a half years, God blessed us with three children. This is a picture from the year 2000 when our youngest was born and we had three kids in diapers. This petition for daily bread found in the heart of the Lord's Prayer truly reveals the heart of God. And we can confidently go to him with all our needs because he loves us more than we love ourselves. N.T. Wright in Matthew for everyone says, God is the creator who loves his world and his human creatures. We can ask him for everything we need in the safe knowledge that he is far more concerned about it all even than we ourselves. Okay, second point. We need to depend on God for all those things that we can't do ourselves. We know that, right? But what about the stuff that I can take care of by myself? Our parents taught us to study diligently, to go to school, plan our career, get a job. Do we still need to pray for our daily needs? Yes, of course. Sproul continues, the God of providence is also concerned about our mundane, everyday needs. Therefore, in his providence, he makes the crops grow, he makes the rain fall, he gives us what we need for our daily life. Well, what does God have to do, right? Oh, he just had to launch the earth in the right orbit, uh, about 93 million miles away from the sun, and he just had to tilt it at 23 and a half degrees and give it the right levels of carbon dioxide and oxygen in the atmosphere and the right amounts of nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium in the soil and the right amount of sunlight. And, <laughs> and he has to keep this going, right? Seriously, it does require a combination of the faithfulness and the blessing of the Father, as well as the skills and hard work of the farmers and the millers and the bakers just to get a loaf of bread in our hands that we, just, that we always take for granted. So the second reason for our dependence on God is his faithfulness, even in those areas where we think we are in control and we can do it all by ourselves. In Deuteronomy 8.17, Moses warns the people of Israel, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands has produced this wealth for me. Next verse says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the ability to produce wealth. Thirdly, all of us knows that everything we can have can go away in an instant and we can be left with nothing. When Jen prayed this morning, she said, how fragile our lives are, right? And that struck me because that is exactly where we are, right? I mean, we do everything, we depend on God, we get jobs, we get our daily bread, we are comfortable. But there are people across the world who face the reality of war and famine and other calamities. For us, living in relative peace and prosperity, that may not be an everyday reality, but we recognize that all it takes is a job loss or a stock market crash or a global supply chain crisis or a major health issue, right? To make our lives go spiraling out of control. But instead of worrying about the future, we need to depend 
on God who sustains us. Jesus teaches us in the same chapter in Matthew 6 to look at the birds in the, of the air and the flowers, right? It says in Matthew 6.26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Matthew 6.31 says, So do not worry. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? God sustains us and that is the third reason. So he provides for us, he's faithful and he sustains us. One thing God is teaching us is that life is less certain than we think. So we depend on God not only to provide faithfully but also to sustain what we have. Dependence on God for our provisions frees us from worrying about the future, but also frees us from trusting in our ability alone to meet our needs. Please do not short-circuit our dependence on God. Fast forward several years, and the three little ones whom God gave us grew up in the blink of an eye. And by the time our oldest, Jonathan, and I'm, I know I'm embarrassing my family here, um, got into high school in 2011, it dawned on me that soon our kids would need to go to college. Um, and we had zero savings. Bad planning, right? I mean, when we come as immigrants, um, we don't come with a whole lot of money, and, you know, we start from the ground, ground up, right? But they were good students, and like all parents, we wanted to send them to the best schools they could go. With only one of us working at that time, I, I didn't know how we could manage. Um, we asked many here and outside for advice and prayers. We did a lot of research. On hindsight, community college would have been a good option, but my pride didn't allow me to consider it. None of my plans seemed to be enough, right? And I apologize for weaving my story and God's story um, throughout this sermon, but um, I feel like that's what God wants me to um, share with you as I talk from his word that I want you to understand a little bit about, about my family and myself. So we saw the three reasons, right? His providence, his faithfulness, and his sustenance. Now, what are some of the roadblocks that we would face in this journey as we live a life of depending on God? Um, and some of these roadblocks are spiritual challenges, mental roadblocks, things that others may be telling us. Why, do you, why are you doing it this way? Why are you depending on God? Or doubts that arise in our own minds, right? Roadblock number one. One question that may come to our mind is if we trust God and depend on him for all our needs, we should always get what we ask for, right? Has that ever crossed your mind? I'm sure it has, right? Why don't we get everything that we ask for? We are promised to ask and it will be given. But we know from our experiences that we do not always receive. There are requests I've made that have not been received or even answered. So where is the disconnect? One reason is maybe because we are not asking according to the will, right? Last week we learned about God's will, that his will be done. Also, we are invited to ask for bread, not for cake, right? In other words, Jesus encourages us to pray for our needs, not our greeds. Proverbs 30 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you 
and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. In other words, Lord, don't make me too rich or too poor. <laughs> Give me whatever you think is enough and I will be content. What a wonderful outlook in life. And Paul agrees with this in 1 Timothy 6, 8. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Roadblock number two. Those who don't pray for daily bread also get daily bread, right? Or even more sometimes. <laughs> so why pray then? Right? God's love and providence is not just for the faithful because he loves all of us, right? In the previous chapter, in Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 45, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So how do you explain this, right? Why do we even need to pray? I found this remarkable explanation in Jonathan Pennington's The Sermon on the Mount and Human Flourishing. I had to read it a couple of times to completely grasp what I was reading. He says, It is not as if humans' daily bread needs are contingent on their faithfulness in praying. Rather, believers are invited into the experience of the Father's care and necessary orientation of humility and dependence by praying for God's daily provision. The heart orientation, as the Beatitudes expressed, the state of true flourishing. If prayer does not change our heart orientation and our attitude, then it's not prayer. Roadblock number three. If we pray for daily bread, does this mean that we shouldn't plan ahead? Or prepare ahead? Like, if I pray every day, God give me what I need today. What does planning have to do with it, right? I mean, where does that come in? It is biblical to plan ahead, right? We should plan ahead, but what shouldn't we do? We shouldn't worry ahead. There's a big difference. You know, Jesus is not minimizing the importance of thinking and planning ahead. But we live in the present. It is one day at a time that we raise and nurture our families that we overcome our imperfections and we endure in our faith. Dallas Willard, in The Divine Conspiracy, writes, it is quite all right to have things now that we intend to use tomorrow and to work or even pray in a sensible way. What hinders or shuts down kingdom living is not the having of such provisions, but rather the trusting in them for future security. We have no real security for the future in them, but only the God who is present with us each day. The heart orientation that we need to have is that it is okay to plan, but not to worry. And then when our plan materializes and we get what we asked for, that is okay too, but we need to put our trust and security in the provider, not in the provision, not in the gift that we got, right? And roadblock number four, let's say we've been blessed, right? We prayed, we asked, we planned, we did everything right, and let's say we've got more than our share of the daily bread. For some, money can be a stumbling block, right? Either we get obsessed 
with our money and lose our minds. Or we look at people with more money and we lose our minds. In some cases, we look at people with less money and we lose our minds, right? A genuine confusion in our mind is what do we do with prosperity? Let's first talk about what not to do. The response to prosperity is not indulgence. Let me get everything I can because I can afford it. Um, it's not justification. I deserve it because I worked hard and I deserve to have it, right? And not guilt, right? Why do I have so much? Why am I so privileged? Oh, this is so unfair. I mean, that is a genuine response that we could have, right? But I don't think any of these are actually responses to a true prosperity, right? Or even modest prosperity. In Matthew 25, we remember the story when Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat and I was thirsty and we know that, right? And the people who were listening said, when did we ever do that? I mean, why are you giving us credit for something we, we never did? And Jesus said, whatever you have done to the least of these, you did for me. So what Jesus is t teaching us is that from a, kingdom from a kingdom perspective, the proper response to prosperity, even modest prosperity, is generosity. Generosity. So we've covered the three reasons for dependence. We've covered the four roadblocks that we face in our daily living of dependence. And to wrap up, when we apply the principle of dependence on God for our daily lives, what does our life look like for us as individuals and for us as a church in ICC, right? With or without material wealth, our discipline of depending on God in prayer would permeate our lives and would shape our attitude. Putting it together, all that we went over today here are the five C's that our dependence allows us to be. It allows us to be content with what we have and not compare ourselves with others, right? Our dependence allows us to be calm in the face of storms instead of worrying about our future, knowing that our God loves us and takes care of us. Our dependence allows us to be caring towards our brothers and sisters, in our homes, at our church, in our workplaces. It allows us to be compassionate to poor and needy and enable us to volunteer or contribute to food pantries, clothing drives, support mission work across the world. And finally, it allows us to be courageous, right? Like the Park family and the Noda family. To depend on God. The courage to fight is something that I lack and sometimes I think I trust in my own abilities or maybe I don't trust God enough. But we all need courage to fight not against social injustice, right? Against corruption, against immorality, against violence. Without counting the cost, we, I tend to count the cost. How much is it going to cost me? Do I have enough for my daily needs? Do I have enough for my social security, right? For my retirement? And so through this asking God for our daily bread, Jesus is teaching us that a life of dependence on God will free us from worrying about the future 
and allow us to be content, caring, compassionate, calm, and courageous. Slowly, not our plan, but God's plan for our children unfolded. When Jamsi had got healed miraculously of a backache without having to go through surgery, he had put a, in her heart a vision, a vision to heal others. Um, with no medical background, with just degrees in physics and operations research, she decided to go to nursing school after staying at home with our children through their growing years. She became a registered nurse around the same time Jonathan, our oldest, started college in 2015. That extra income <laughs> helped immensely in putting our children through college. The picture on the screen is from 2018, the year Grace graduated from high school. That year, we would have three kids in college at the same time, a freshman, a junior, and a senior. By God's providence, and as it turned out to be a silver lining, didn't know that multiple, having multiple kids at the same time helped bring down the cost as well. Uh, and also, our children were blessed to get additional scholarships. Today, we have a Rambler and two Wildcats. Um, the older two are done with undergrad and going back to grad school, while our littlest one is a senior at Evanston. It did shake my faith at that time, and on hindsight, I'm ashamed of my deep worries and anxieties and lack of trust in God, with one child becoming a social worker and a second planning to go in for medicine and a third who has not decided what she wants to do yet. God is still writing their stories as we heard Jenny say today, right? I mean, God is going to write, continue to write stories in their lives. And as parents, it is not for us to write their stories. It's not for us to worry for them or plan for them. And sometimes we learn these lessons late in life. But what I want to share with you is God is still working in our lives and shaping us. so that I do not worry but depend on him. I pray that I will grow stronger in my dependence on God, and I covet your prayers. So I'd like to invite you now to spend a few moments reflecting on our Lord and on the prayer that he taught us. Prayer is a conversation between God and us. As we go through several weeks dissecting this prayer, let us ask God to teach us to pray. I want you to reflect on those burdens in your heart, those needs that have not been met, and ask yourself, have I taken it to the Lord in prayer? Or am I trying to do it on my own without submitting to him, without depending on him? Do I have that humility to give God control in my life? Maybe you have been taking things to Lord and you have gone through several seasons in your life without your prayer being answered and maybe you're upset that God is not answering your prayer he's probably telling you that he loves you and cares for you more than you can understand but you need to surrender that portion 
of your life that is still in your control. So let us ask God to help us trust him for our needs, to be content with what we receive, to approach him with gratitude and to share our blessings generously to bless others.